0: On a cold winter's night in Geneva, Nebraska, a policeman pulls over a truck with a missing taillight. Inside are 20-year-old Janelle Hornicle, a junior at Creighton University, and her boyfriend, Michael Walmsley. You have your license, registration insurance with you. you didn't send my back at 13th and F, your back, taillight's out. The officer warns them to fix the light, but they seem confused. They ask him for directions. The street they're searching for is located in Omaha, 100 miles away. With a snowstorm coming, the cop points them towards the highway and lets them leave.
1: Little did the police know at the time. This confusing encounter would be the first in a series of communications between Janelle, Michael, and the authorities before a heartbreaking tragedy. Delve into this case. I'd just like to give a massive thank you to the people over at Magellan TV for partnering with me to sponsor today's episode. Magellan TV is an online streaming platform which has a vast range of documentaries available to stream from true crime to history and science. They're the best place to find captivating documentaries which you know are as close to the truth as possible. Magellan TV was created by filmmakers and producers who worked with creators to ensure that the content available on their platform is the most premium out there One of my favorite things to do is to introduce you guys to more True Crime content and this streaming service has so many really good documentaries With this in mind, I would like to pull your attention to a documentary which I stumbled upon the other day The documentary is called Murder in Paradise Murder in Paradise looks into the suspicious deaths of two British backpackers Hannah Witheridge and David Miller on the tourist island of Koh Tao in Thailand Koh Tao is one of the most popular tourist destinations in Thailand due to its white beaches and tropical coral reefs But could there be something more sinister lurking in the shadows of this small piece of heaven on earth? With a seemingly corrupt police force and Koh Tao's own version of the Mafia This little island may not be as heavenly as it seems. What really pulled me into this documentary was the verdict from the investigation, which went completely against the forensic evidence in this case, and it made it out to seem like the Thai police force were completely legitimate and by the books, and not corrupt at all. But, when you watch this documentary, You will realise how far away from the truth that really is. With the investigation threatening to embarrass Thailand, it was key for Kotao's police force to find the killer quickly and efficiently in the eyes of the western media, which had all flocked around the case at the time. You can watch this documentary and so many more in 4K at no extra cost. Magellan TV have been kind enough to hook all of you up with a one month free trial to their streaming service if you use the link try.magellanTV.com forward slash Joshua Miles. You can find this link in the pinned comments and at the top of the description. And with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. But who was Janelle Hornicle, and who was her boyfriend, Michael Wamsley? Janelle Marie Hornicle was born on Friday, the 23rd of March, 1984, in the city of Grand Island, Nebraska, to parents Kent and Twyla Hornicle. Despite being born in the city of Grand Island, Janelle's family actually lived just under 65 miles away in rural Ord, where she was the youngest of four children According to her family Janelle was a star student and prominent athlete at her school. She took part in drama club, sang in the school's choir, and was even on the cheerleading squad. Janelle's academic success saw her enroll at Creighton University in Omaha, about 185 miles away from the town she grew up in. As a college junior at the university, Janelle became a member of a sorority, a member of a business fraternity and she also managed to find herself a job. She seemed to have it all figured out and it was clear to anyone that knew her that her future would be bright. Janelle lived in an apartment in Omaha with her boyfriend Michael Wamsley, both of whom were 20 years old at the time Now some sources state that Janelle lived with flatmates and she did actually have some flatmates in Omaha But it's unclear whether she still lived with them at the time that this case took place or whether she had moved out and was now living with Michael or whether her boyfriend Michael lived elsewhere and she still lived with these roommates it's it's kind of unclear but we do know that she did have roommates in Omaha and she was very close to her boyfriend Michael what we do know is Janelle had actually met Michael back in her hometown of Ord in the 7th grade Michael J. Wamsley had been born on Sunday the 7th of October 1984 in Denver, Colorado to his parents Gabby and Stephen Wansley. He actually had two siblings, both brothers, who he grew up to be somewhat close to. When Michael was six years old, the Wamsley family moved from Denver, Colorado to Ord, Nebraska. He would stay in Ord throughout his education and it was in Ord that he met the love of his life, Janelle Hornacle. <laughs> the couple were deeply in love with one another and they spent as much time together as possible however michael's educational success wasn't as prominent as his girlfriend's he soon dropped out of high school and at some point began working as a landscaper and in his free time he would work on old cars trying to fix them up When Janelle was accepted to Creighton University in Omaha, Michael moved with her. He found a job in Omaha as a landscaper, which would see him having to wake at the crack of dawn to go to work. Though even at five o'clock in the morning, Janelle would be sure to wake up too so that she could talk to him before he left. New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2004 Janelle has gone to celebrate the new year with her family These photos of Janelle were taken by her mother And unbeknownst to Janelle's mother They would be the last that she would ever take of her daughter alive Janelle was in good spirits that night She had a regular sleeping pattern And was looking forward to what the new year would bring On the first day of 2005, Janelle travelled back to Omaha to continue the New Year's celebrations with her boyfriend Michael and her friends. What actually happened from January 1st 2005 to the 4th of January 2005 is largely unclear. We know that Janelle and Michael went to a few parties, as most college students would. But the next concrete event in this case would take place on the 4th of January 2005 when a police officer pulled over a car in the middle of a snowstorm with Janelle and Michael inside. It was at about 7.30pm when Janelle's black pickup, which was being driven by Michael, would be pulled over just outside the small town of Geneva, Nebraska for failing to signal.
0: Police in the small town of Geneva pull over Janelle's black pickup. Michael is driving. They're stopped for failing to signal. This is the actual video from the police dashboard camera. Michael tells the officer they're lost, looking for Pacific Street. Pacific in Geneva, Omaha. They're trying to get home to their apartment in Omaha, but home is 120 miles away in the raging blizzard. The officer gives them a warning ticket and directions back to the highway. Turn left. complexes. There's a lot of Mexicans and African Americans and they're all dressed up in like, these oh, cold right. outfits. Your up. My address at Mandalay is 7524. The address for this is in the trees right above those complexes. <laughs> they are so There's no power They're taking the cars. They're them in the trees. you what in the trees? The cars. In the trees. In the trees. How many are out there? No, 100. Here's one. There's a place on the way, there's a place on the way there, okay? Okay, I wonder if it'll be. So there's time to get out of there because of the snow conditions. Yes, can't send a helicopter to go over the trees. The helicopter cannot fly in this kind of weather. I don't know how to get out of here, they've lost us all in here. I can't find a way out of anywhere, ma'am. They even have a pick-up more time to find a way There's push even a little Is it the people moving it for because of the snow? Well, they're hiding them in the trees and breaking them down and stuff. How do they run in the trees? the cars. How are they getting the cars in the trees? There are spaces in the cars, and they're breaking them down, taking the tires off, moving the pieces of metal around, and putting them in there. In the trees? In the trees. What's your name? Janelle. You know? Cornicles. <laughs>
1: Janelle and Michael have gotten lost. They've driven from the main highway roads on their journey back to their apartments in Omaha, with snowstorms battering their pickup and outside temperatures reaching 10 below. It's important to briefly note that the 911 calls in this episode are snippets from the full calls. Only these snippets have been made publicly available. Despite the freezing temperatures outside, Janelle and Michael still have half a tank of gas in their vehicle, which would easily see them sheltered with heating to wait out the snowstorm to the morning. But Janelle and Michael have seen something out in the snow that is scaring them beyond belief. They claim to the 911 dispatcher that there is a group of 100 to 200 people out in the snow, And weirdly, that group of people is hiding cars in the trees. Janelle and Michael's fear of this group of people pushes them to decide to get out of their warm pickup so they can run away to safety. They believe that they're not far away from their apartment in Omaha, but little do they know, they're actually stranded about 25 miles away in a rural area southwest of Omaha, and unfortunately for Janelle and Michael, the location they're in doesn't fall under Douglas County 911, the area where their apartment is located. Neither does it fall under Saunders County, an area west of Omaha, but it actually falls under Sarpy County, an area south of Omaha. The couple's phone on each call they make to 911 continues to get routed to emergency services in Douglas, Sarpe, and Sounders counties. The only information the authorities have about where their call might be coming from is the fact that their phone is connecting to a cell phone mast in Sarpe County. But even so, the county covers an area of 248 square miles. Finding them before they freeze to death in the middle of a blizzard would be like trying to find a needle in a haystack the size of 120,032 American football fields. Another call comes into Saunders County 911 at 105 a.m. Janelle and Michael have left the safety and warmth of their vehicle, and it's quickly becoming clear that they are exhausted and running out of time. The 911 dispatchers are desperately trying to pinpoint their exact location, with each second ticking closer to their deaths. For some reason, Michael and Janelle are convinced that their car has broken down or it has crashed, Despite the fact that it is in perfect running condition, and still had plenty of fuel to get them to safety. 25 minutes after the couple's second call to 911, at 1.30am, Michael phones the emergency services for a third time.
0: 911 emergency? We're out by an older gravel pit. And what's the problem, sir? Uh, freezing death. Well, we had a vehicle, but it ended up breaking down. are okay. uh, yeah, you by a uh, building? Uh, just please, yeah. ma'am. Uh, I'm on a little, like, glass, little well, 4x4 jack, like a tow booth. <laughs> what is the closest street to you so I can send you some help? The closest street would be 75th and Hopleton. We've already been to 75th Poppleton. We could find you. Ma'am, my pickup was stolen. I had to go find it. Uh, please help us. My like girlfriend is really freezing. i cold. We can't get out of here. You can't get out of where? We can't get out. We don't know if we are. Elite. They don't speak English or anything. They don't talk to us. Who? These are the people here. Somebody locked you in this building? No, but we don't know if if uh, uh, if we took the block from getting out of this building, I'm walking. I cannot guarantee you we'll make it before we freeze. She, I guarantee she can't. She just, you can't twice, and she's a So you're at 76th and Poppinson. You don't have to walk very far to get somewhere. Okay, it's not like okay. you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but we're uh, here. It's uh, a good quarter mile from on a lot We're on the shack. Yes. Go go talk to them. They won't talk. We beg. I'm okay, tell them that the, tell it. them that the police are on the phone and hand them your phone. I can't make it that far because they have all kinds of dogs. Yell at them and say, "Can you hear me? Can you hear me?" And please anyone help me. Yeah. come on. I it. It's too cold. Are they responding to you? No. I don't think they speak to English. location? I'm going to pick up. Why, why, why would you pick a boat at that location? I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything else I can tell you. Did you Just see a cartoon vibe. boat, you said? Yes. Oh. Can I to get up before? Is she starting to lay down? It is breathing. Please over here, Dad. Okay, Mike. Mike, I wanna help you so bad, hon. I wanna find out where you're at. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Come here, baby. So you see pontoon boats, what else? Uh, we're just back right over from seventy <laughs> Mike, because that doesn't make sense. Sheriff's department's now, we've talked to Omaha, we've talked to numerous people and nobody can figure out where you're at. No more, but damn I just I don't know. I don't get it safe.
1: Oh okay. That 911 call was the last call to the emergency services with both Janelle and Michael present. Their conditions are deteriorating. The final and last call made by Michael came into Saunders County 911 at 4.20 a.m. was Michael Wansley's last recorded words. Authorities combed through Sarpe County, searching for the missing couple in the hopes that they had both found shelter. Just over 12 hours from Michael's final call to authorities, search and rescue teams located the couple's truck. As we have previously discussed, their pickup truck had plenty of fuel to have kept them warm till the morning. They had also left their jackets in the car. The search for Michael and Janelle intensified. The snow, after a day and a night of heavy snowstorms, was more than a foot deep. teams, made up of volunteers and the authorities, painstakingly worked their way through Sarpy county. On the 6th of January 2005, more than 24 hours after Michael's last call to the authorities, the remains of 20 year old Michael Wamsley were recovered a half mile north of a sand pit lake. Michael had frozen to death. He wasn't wearing any form of warm clothes, no coats or jumper. Five days after Michael's body was recovered, a funeral was held for the 20-year-old man. Throughout the five days leading up to Michael's funeral, Volunteers and the authorities continued to search for Janelle's remains. The day after Michael's funeral, on the 12th of January 2005, the conditions in the rural area of Sarpy County that they were searching in, deteriorated. Subsequently, only fire crews and law enforcement officials were permitted to continue the search And it was on that Wednesday, the 12th of January, that the remains of 20-year-old Janelle Hornicle were discovered on the edge of a sand pit lake, half a mile from the location that Michael's body was found Both Janelle and Michael had been within two miles of their pickup truck And both had sadly succumbed to the freezing and snowy environment But what happened to the couple? How had they found themselves 25 miles away from home, lost in a snowstorm? Why had they abandoned the safety of their vehicle? Who were the people they had told the 911 operators they were seeing? The people in cult outfits, the dogs, the bright lights? And why couldn't 911 find them? The authorities, Michael and Janelle's families, and the public were confused and at a loss for what exactly happened. Before Michael's funeral, an autopsy was conducted. An autopsy was also conducted on Janelle's body prior to her funeral. Both autopsies were conducted by Sarpy County Attorney Lee Polikov, who served as the County Coroner. It was determined that the cause of death for both Michael and Janelle was hypothermia, a condition that kills over one and a half thousand people in the United States every year. No other significant injuries were found on either Michael or Janelle, and the alcohol blood level was determined to have been insignificant for the couple. This means that they hadn't sustained a head injury and hadn't been intoxicated through alcohol use, at the time of death. A full toxicology workup was conducted to establish the presence of any drugs in their systems which would have potentially caused delirium or something to that effect. After all, they claimed to have seen people putting cars into trees, something that clearly isn't rooted in reality. The toxicology reports came back and it revealed vital clues as to what happened to the 20-year-old couple. The drug methamphetamine hydrochloride, otherwise known as crystal meth, was found present in both their systems. The amount present was more than what would be prescribed for medicinal use, but it wasn't nearly enough to cause an overdose. Janelle actually had a higher level present in her system than Michael. Marijuana and nicotine were both also found in their systems, although it's unclear to what level it was found and whether it was notable in this case. According to the organization Talk to Frank, crystal meth can reduce your appetite and make you feel exhilarated, alert, awake, agitated, paranoid, confused, aggressive and aroused. The drug's effects typically last between 4 and 12 hours, but depending on the dosage and the purity of the drug, it could last much longer. It can also cause the users to go without sleep for an extensive period of time. Lack of sleep or sleep deprivation can significantly alter your perception of reality it can cause you to experience hallucinations. It's also important to note that a psychiatric syndrome called foliodu, or madness for two, or shared delusional disorder, can actually mean multiple people can experience the same hallucinations due to suggestibility and their vulnerability. The crystal meth, sleep deprivation, and foliodu combined is a very plausible and wisely accepted theory as to what happened to Janelle and Michael It's unclear when exactly the couple took the crystal meth but it's highly likely that they had taken it at a party the day before or a few days before they drove in the snowstorm With the sleep deprivation and crystal meth still in their systems it is hypothesized that they became lost on their route back to their apartment in Omaha, likely taking a wrong turn It is then suggested that they misinterpreted cows in the distance and shadows of trees or plants as people, and the shared hallucinations saw the couple concreting the delusion before them with one another. They would build their delusions and bounce them off one another and confirm what each other was seeing. The paranoia is clearly heard in the 911 calls that they made and the irrational behavior they displayed would support this hypothesis. Further, some users of crystal meth experience a feeling of being really hot or warm which would have meant, combined with the irrational behaviour, that they would have left their warm pickup truck without a second thought to put on their coats In their recovered vehicle, the authorities also recovered a small amount of the drug crystal meth and tested it to see whether it had been cut with anything else The test results came back and showed the drug they had taken to be 90% pure. The investigators then compared the purity of the recovered drug to the levels in Michael and Janelle's systems and determined solidly that the drug had been taken two to three days prior to their deaths. Janelle had never been involved with drugs before, and it is suggested that this was her first time using substances in this manner for recreational purposes. This answers many questions in this case, but one still stands out. Why did it take so long for the 911 dispatchers to locate or narrow down the location of the missing couple? Regardless of whether the couple were on drugs or not, they were still very much in trouble, and deserved their lives being saved. It was discovered that the 911 dispatches in all three counties that received calls from the couple hadn't received upgrades to their cell phone tracing systems. This meant that they simply didn't have the technology at hand to triangulate Michael's cell phone. All three dispatcher call centers were upgraded to the cell phone tracing systems shortly after this case, with dispatcher call centers across the United States following foot. If 911 had the technology in place when the couple found themselves in trouble, They would have had a much higher likelihood of surviving and being rescued alive This case is a sad case of substance abuse, poor decisions and a lack of technology And it resulted in the early deaths of two very intelligent people And that's everything I have for you in today's video Make sure you're subscribed to this channel and you've hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time I post a brand new Curious Case episode, just like this one. Thank you again to Magellan TV for sponsoring today's episode. I strongly recommend you use the link in the description and in the pinned comment to go check out their true crime documentaries. I've just watched the documentary Murder in Paradise, which was about a murder that occurred in Thailand. It was very, very interesting to watch, and I'd like to know your thoughts and opinions. Make sure you let me know your thoughts and opinions on the case I've covered today on this channel and on the Magellan TV documentary in the comments section down below. And with all that being said, I'll see you in the next case.